All right, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Man, I think we're going to need a bigger building, amen? You know, we have four services on Sundays, so you don't really recognize what God is doing when you're just coming to, to one service. But when we have a prayer meeting like this, it is powerful what God is doing. Can I show you guys a, a really awesome photo? I just want to celebrate God's goodness. Let me show you this, this photo right here. If Trevor would step out of the way, come on. Look at this picture right here. Do y'all see that? This was our very first First Wednesday. There was uh, 20 people in, a, in an empty building. But yet we decided that we were going to make prayer a priority for our church. And look what God has done just over the past couple of years. Isn't it amazing what God does when people prioritize his presence, when a church prioritizes prayer? And so we're here at our first Wednesday prayer night, and I'm excited. We're going to continue our study through uh, a topic called the Holy Spirit. We're going to be learning all year long about the person, the work, and the, the presence of the Holy Spirit and what God is doing. He, he laid this message um, in my heart in the summer of last year. As I began praying, God, where do you want to take us? Where do you want to lead us, God? What is it that you're, you're wanting to do? Me and Ashley, we were on sabbatical. We were up at, um, in, in uh, Missouri spending the week and just praying, saying, God, what's the direction? And he dropped it in our hearts to, to teach the church about the Holy Spirit, about God, the third member of the Trinity. And when we got back, Meredith, who's our spiritual care director, she said, Byron, I really need to meet with you because I believe God's given our church some direction for the next year. And so we met and uh, she said, Byron, I, I trust your vision. I believe you, you're a pastor, but I just, um, I just feel like the Lord really wants us to, to study. And I interrupted, I said, the Holy Spirit. She's like, how'd you know? I said, because he told me that too. Um, and so we started teaching on the Holy Spirit back in January, and we have just seen a significant increase of what God is doing in our church, an increase in joy and salvations, an increase in healings and miracles, an increase of spiritual passion, a love for the church, a love for God, a love for others. It's been incredible. How many of you have experienced the, the, the life change through Jesus this year? You just noticed something's different in the house over the course of this year. It's a beautiful thing. And so um, we're, we're continuing that study and over the last couple of weeks and what we're going to do to the end of the year is we're going to be teaching specifically on the subject of spiritual gifts. As I was thinking about spiritual gifts uh, this week, um, I just kind of started thinking about some things that I, uh, I knew whenever I was young, but a lot of people, and, and my kids especially, uh, they're just going to miss out on. Um, when we were at Ashley's mom's house the other day, uh, Esther came up to me and she said, Daddy, what is this? And she pointed to it, and I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, what is this? And I said, oh, that's called a CD player. Uh, she had no clue what a CD player was. And she's like, what's a CD? And so I showed her this, like little, the compact disc and the silver. She's like, is this like a Frisbee? She didn't know what to do with it. And then we started playing it. And it was a CD from Ashley when she was like in like sixth grade. And it was playing and all of a sudden it started skipping. Do you remember when music used to skip, like when your CD would skip? And she was like, Daddy, why is it making that noise? And I was like, oh, because mom didn't take good care of her CD. And it, so it got scratched. Um, but then the other day, they actually lost electricity whenever she was over at her Nana's house, and they had no internet. Okay, anybody remember growing up without the internet? 
Yeah, our kids will not experience that. Like, they're just going to be numbed out zombies from staring at their screens all day. Uh, but, but for us, like, we remember what it was like to be bored. Anybody remember being bored? My kids don't know what it's like being bored. And so they went over there, and they had a DVD player. And that just blew their mind because they, they were like, we, you don't just watch it on Netflix. Where's Netflix? They're like, no, you have a DVD player. And they're like, whoa, that's crazy. Uh, another thing, when we were doing like a little closet clean out, um, Ashley found her old iPod. An iPod Nano, a red one that came automatically preloaded with a U2 song for some reason. Um, and so the girls were like, what is this tiny phone? You're like, it's not a phone. It doesn't call people, but you can listen to music on it. Anybody remember iPods? The world's changed a lot, hasn't it? I just think about the things that have, have changed. Um, and another thing that a lot of people aren't going to experience is actually um, the joy of mailing a letter. When was the last time you sat down and you wrote a letter and you mailed it to somebody? Anybody else? All right, well, sign up for your AARP card because uh, nobody else knows how to, how to write. I remember whenever I first hired Trevor, one of the very first things, Trevor was actually originally my assistant before he became our ministries director. And, you know, we send out uh, mail here at the church. Like y'all probably get mail, letters, postcards, uh, giving updates and stuff like that. And so we had a stack of, uh, of giving letters that we would send out every year uh, for tax purposes. And I said, here's the stack, they're stuffed. And all you need to do is fill them out and mail them and drop them off at the post office. He's like, you got it, boss. About a week later... 300 letters show up at my house because he put the delivery address as the return address. And I was like, Trevor, did nobody teach you how to mail an envelope? And he's like, I'd never mailed a letter before. And so, so, so I kept him on and God does great things through, you know, um, through trial and error, but, um, but, uh, but there's some things that, that I grew up doing that are not uh, transferred to a, a new generation. And as I'm kind of thinking about it this week, what I realized is that that same concept applies to the subject of spiritual gifts. Because I grew up in a, in a church that, that everybody knew what their gift was. It, was. it was talked about all the time. We experienced the move of God and we, we learned about spiritual gifts. And I remember at an early age thinking and praying, God, what is, what is my gift? But as I've become a pastor and I travel across and I meet Christians and through social media, people messaging and new people in the church, what I've realized is that a lot of people don't actually know what their gift is. And many people don't believe they have a gift. And some don't even know that spiritual gifts are available to them. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on the subject of spiritual gifts. He says this, now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. This has been a problem that's happened all the way from the very beginning, that people have not been informed. They've not been taught. They've not been educated. They've not been discipled, and they haven't been equipped when it comes to understanding the role of the gifts or discovering what their spiritual gift is as well. And there's a researcher, his name's George Barna. He's probably one of the leading Christian researchers uh, in our time right now. And uh, in 1999... Um, that's the same year that CD players and v, you know, VCRs and stuff were coming out. He did a, a statistical survey of the church in America. And what he discovered is in 1999, 96% of Christians surveyed, they knew what their spiritual gift was. They not only believed in spiritual gifts, but they could identify what their gifts were. 
And then he did the same exact survey 20 years later in uh, 2019. And what he discovered is that that number decreased by 20%. And in a 20-year period, close to about 75% reported understanding what spiritual gifts were. There's a 20% decrease in a 20-year period of people who understood what their gifts are. And that would mean that in a church our size, that at any given time, there's probably about 25, maybe even more, I would assume, in our church, maybe 30, maybe 40% of our church who hasn't heard teachings on the subject of spiritual gifts, who don't know what their spiritual gift is. They don't believe that God gives spiritual gifts. They've never heard a sermon over the subject of spiritual gifts, and they've never been taught how to discover their own spiritual gift. And maybe that's you here in this room right now, and you're where Paul would be writing to the Corinthians. You are uninformed around the subject of spiritual gifts, because churches talk about a lot of things. But one thing that churches don't often talk about very often anymore is the subject of the supernatural, the subject of the miraculous or the subject of spiritual gifts. And so through the rest of the year and this sermon today, we're going to be talking about the subject of spiritual gifts as well. But one thing that I found that was interesting in the decrease of knowledge around the spiritual gifts, there's another study that Barna did. And what he has discovered is that church attendance over the last 20 years, has also decreased by about 25%. That 20 years ago, the average person attended church about every week. Um, If you grew up like me, you attended it four times a week um, because I grew up in a charismatic church, so I went to church on Sunday. We had uh, Holy Ghost Sunday night. Then we had uh, Wednesday night church, and God help us if revival ever broke out because I ain't never going home because we'd just be praying all day, right? I grew up in the church. Like, I I mean, I I remember being in the church. Anytime the doors were open, I was at church. But now what happens is this. People are busy. People's schedules are demanding. And all of a sudden, church is no longer a priority for them. But what's interesting is when church ceases to be a priority, the spiritual gifts become diminished in your life. Because as the church attendance decreases, the spiritual gifts decrease as well. And there's a, there's a reason for this. And the reason is, is that spiritual gifts lead to spiritual growth. That a spiritual gift, it leads to spiritual growth. Like when you're using your gifts, you're gonna grow spiritually. And then spiritual growth leads to discovering more spiritual gifts. And there's a passion that comes around it. Like when church becomes something that you not just go to, but something that you're a part of, it changes the game for you. Like when you realize that you're a participator, not just a spectator, you realize that church is not optional because it is essential because you have something to bring to the table. And God has that same thing for every single one of us. He has a spiritual gift he wants to give to you so that way you can participate and you can help grow the church, and which is why we're going to study this subject tonight. If you have your Bibles, we're in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to learn from uh, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus about why spiritual gifts are given. So the sermon title today is, What is the Purpose of Spiritual Gifts? I'm going to read the whole section, and then I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and then we're going to have some time of prayer, and I believe that God's going to uh, show you what your gift is tonight as you seek it. So here's what we see in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, It says, there is one body and one spirit. We're talking about the body, which is the church, and the spirit of God. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Who's excited for baptisms? 
We have that on the wall out there because every lock represents one person who has been baptized. If you've not been baptized, sign up tonight, fill out the connect card. We want to baptize you, get your lock on the wall and get you a nice little life change through Jesus t-shirt. Let's celebrate what God is doing. Our father of all who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us who each one of us, all of us, to the person sitting next to you, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave, what's the word? gifts to men in saying he ascended. What does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he, what did he do? He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Those are spiritual gifts that he just mentioned. There's other gifts mentioned in Romans 12, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 altogether. There's about 21, some say 23 spiritual gifts. We're not going to dive into the gifts tonight. We're just covering the subject of gifts, okay? So we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of the gifts. We're going to cover the idea why God gives the gifts. And here's what he says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Very important. We're going to talk about that. For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature that is the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves carried on by every wind and doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, seeking the, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined together, held together by every joint, which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that one builds itself up in love. All right, so we're going to unpack all of this. And I always think that the best way for someone to learn is by asking questions. That's one of the best ways for you to learn to ask questions. My daughter asks me a million questions every day and I tell her to stop, but you have permission tonight to ask this question. And so I'm going to ask a series of questions. We're going to turn to the Bible. We're going to answer these questions. And I believe it's going to help you learn why God gives us spiritual gifts. The, the first question is this, where do the spiritual gifts come from? That's an interesting question. Like, where do they come from? Do I create them? Am I born with them? Are they natural talents? Are they something that I go to school to be able to get or to learn? Where do these gifts come from? Are they innate inside of me? Where does the gift come from? There's a difference between natural talents and spiritual gifts. Like a natural talent would be drawing or art or playing basketball or playing guitar. But a spiritual gift is something that God has given to you. Look, here's what it says here. It says, therefore, it says, when he ascended, that's Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives, he gave gifts to men, and he gave them the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So who gives the spiritual gifts? It's Jesus. It says that Jesus ascended on high. Let me explain to this. When he led the host of captives, that's us. That's, that's us. That we were dead in our sins. Jesus lived the life that we never could, died the death in our place that we deserved. He goes to the cross. He pays for the debt. He forgives us. He saves us. And then he's buried three days later, resurrects, gives us new life. And then he what? Ascends to the right hand of the Father. We've been studying the book of Acts. And Jesus says that I will send to you who? The Holy Spirit. Jesus says that he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And so the spiritual gifts come from Jesus. 
And so we oftentimes think about the idea of the gospel. That's what he's presenting here, the gospel message, that we were sinners, saved, set free, delivered, healed, brought up to a new life with Christ. And for most people, that's where they stop when it comes to the gospel message. But that's only a part of the gospel message. Because if you were to look at Jesus in heaven, what is he doing right now? What's Jesus doing? Is he on vacation? Is he retired? Did he do all of his work and then he's done? No, he's working through you. How is he working through you? Well, Paul says, if you were to want to know what is Jesus doing right now, he says, here's what Jesus is doing. He's giving spiritual gifts to us. Because Jesus is the giver of the gifts. Like we need to understand that many of us, we have a partial understanding of the gospel. See, most people think that the gospel is just that you're forgiven. That's true, but that's not the fullness of what God wants to do because the idea is that you're not just forgiven, but you're also gifted. You haven't just been forgiven. The goal is not just to die and go to heaven because if that's the case, then you, God would have took you as soon as you gave your life to Jesus. He would be like, I repented my sins. Boop teleported right to heaven, right? But that's not what he does. He wants you to make a difference on this earth while you're still here. That you're not only saved, but you're also being sent. You're not only forgiven, but you're also have been gifted. This is the full gospel. You've been gifted to make a difference while you're here on this earth because Jesus has a plan for you, a purpose for you. He has a will for you, which means he is enabling you through his spirit to continue the work that he started 2,000 years ago. You've not only been forgiven, but you've also been gifted. This is very important because, because some of you, you don't believe that God has gifted you. You feel like what you've done in the past is too much or maybe because you, you've sinned or maybe because you can't get over that habit or maybe because you, you don't read your Bible enough or you messed up this week or you didn't pray for the last three weeks. You're like, I have nothing to contribute to the kingdom of God. That is the enemy robbing you of your purpose. God has gifted you. Every single person in this room, if you are a Christian, you have been gifted by God to make a difference. Don't let the devil lie to you. Who gives the gifts? Jesus gives us the gifts. You've been forgiven, yes! But you gotta understand you've also been gifted. Who gives the gifts? Jesus does. The, the second thing is what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? Well, he gives us what the purpose is when he talks about it like this. That he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body in Christ until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of our son, of the son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. He explains to us very detailed why we give the spiritual gifts. And I love this because he gives to each and every one of us. God is no respecter of persons. The father does not play favorites. It's not like whenever Christmas comes around and like God's like, you get a gift and you get coal in your stocking, right? <laughs> no, the Father gives gifts to everybody because he's a, he's a good Father and he loves to give gifts to his kids. And so the Father has assigned and attributed different gifts for, for different people, for different times, for different seasons, for different reasons, and he wants us to discover what these gifts are. Now, why is this so important? Because you have to grasp this. I, Paul's writing, he, he says that it is not the pastor's job. It's not the apostle's job. It's not the, the evangelist's job, the shepherd's job. It's not, it's not their job to do the work of the ministry. Look down at a text again. What does it say? Whose job is it? It's your job. Very clear, plain as day. It says that it's my job, it's the staff's job, it's our leadership's job 
to equip you so that way you, through your gifts, can do the work of the ministry. I'm here to serve you. And then you're to serve the church. You do the work of the ministry. That's the way that the Bible has presented these spiritual gifts. There's a problem whenever we think that the person on the platform is the one with the gifts. Like so many people today, they're just so okay with, I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to take my little notes. I'm going to listen to my Spotify playlist, go to work, and I'm going to let them do the ministry. That's not biblical, guys. If you are a Christian, guess what? You're in ministry. So go ahead and, uh, you know, just like put your thinking cap on and get a cup because it hurts. <laughs> Welcome to ministry. But you need to understand that every member is a minister. Every member, if you are saved, you're being sent. And if you are forgiven, you've been gifted. Every member is a minister. You have a ministry here in the church. You have a ministry at home. You have a ministry at your job. You have a ministry in the community. You have a ministry in the city. How are you going to be able to reach and perform and to do the things that God has sent you out on mission to do by using your spiritual gifts? When you come across somebody who's, who's hurting and you're, you're moved with empathy from, hey, that's the gift of mercy. What a powerful, beautiful thing. When you see a single mom at H-E-B and the Lord moves on your heart to buy them their groceries, you know what? That's the gift of generosity. Yes. And you can do that. It's a gift. You don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. You can do it. And even in the parking lot on church on Sunday, you're the first line of defense of the kingdom of God in downtown Beaumont. That's a ministry. Every member has a ministry. I mean, we, we, believe in, we, we believe that everybody's been gifted, not just the people on the platform. And so as a church, we got to use and discover and learn that the spiritual gifts are incredibly important for us to accomplish the things that God's called us to do. So, so why are these so important? Let me give you five quick reasons. He says this. He says, it's first to equip the church. You got to understand that you get a gift. My job is to equip you, and it's your job to do the ministry. And so our staff and team, we're constantly saying, jump into next steps, get on a serve team, get in a small group. Why? Not because we just want to like uh, uh, try to get y'all to do our job for us. <laughs> that would be nice, but that's not why we want to do it, because we want to be good at our job, which means we have to equip you to do what God's called you to do in your life. And it, there's this relationship that, that as I equip you and then you do the ministry, God is pleased. And so it's to equip the church to learn, to grow, to serve. The, the second thing is to, is to build the church, he talks about. You gotta understand, the church is not a building. Like this multiply campaign we're working on, we're gonna get a bigger building, praise God. It's, it's, it's crowded in here, amen, on the front row. And that's not even a row. You're sitting in the altars. Best seat in the house. It's not even a seat, right? Like, we're going to build a bigger building. But the building is not the church. The people are the church. And when you use your gift, you're building the people, not the building. It's building the kingdom as we build the people. And then the building follows that. The building is a tool, but people are our purpose. And whenever we teach you how to use your gifts, we're building the church. Not a building, we're building the church. We're building you. The, the third thing is that it brings unity. The, the Greek word for unity is the word th uh, um, uh, homothumadon, right? It means same temperature. Right? Think about it like every person in this room right now, you're, you're fanning yourself because the AC ain't keeping up with 300 people in here, right? Because we're all the same temperature. <laughs> we're all thinking it's kind of hot in here, right? 
But imagine if every person in our church would use their spiritual gifts, what would the spiritual temperature of this church be like? When you walk through the doors and you know God is gonna show up today, God is gonna move today, there's gonna be a passion, there's gonna be an excitement, there's gonna be miracles that are gonna happen, there's gonna be salvations in the room. Imagine if every single person showed up on a Sunday with the same expectation of what God is gonna do on a first Wednesday and it would raise the temperature of this church and we would see revival break out, I believe, in no time, right? Because there's a, a unity. We're of the same heart, the same mind. We're of the same temperature. And then it talks about it increases the faith. Like when we're all using our gifts, how can you not expect God to show up in some way? Like when the spiritual gifts start flowing, that's when the spirit starts moving. And then all of a sudden, there's this increase of faith. I'm gonna bring my friend because I know salvations are happening every single week. I'm gonna bring that friend who's got some church hurt and said they were never gonna go back because I believe we got the friendliest church in Southeast Texas. Like I know from the moment they step in that parking lot, there's gonna be the gift of hospitality on display in there, right? I, I believe that there is a, a, a gift of teaching. I that's why I'm going to this small group, right? I, you understand that people are using their gifts. It increases the trust of what God is doing and the faith that he's gonna show up and move because everybody's using their gift now. And then it creates this culture of the church that we expect God to move. It increases the faith. And then number five, it talks about it matures the church. Now I'm gonna have a sermon coming up in a few first Wednesdays and I need to say this, that, um, that, that just because you have the spiritual gifts doesn't automatically mean you're spiritually mature. Like there's a difference, right? Because I know a lot of people who speak in tongues, but they also talk like a jerk, all right? So there's a difference, right? <laughs> like sometimes the Holy Spirit will get you to speak in tongues. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will get you to shut your mouth. That's spiritual maturity versus spiritual gifts. But he says here that it allows the church to mature. Well, how, what does that look like? Well, it looks like the church begins, begins to grow. Now, for us as a church, we're growing, right? Our church is only seven years old. Me and Ashley started this church in 2016, and our church is growing. Last week we had like, what was it, 6.30, 6.40 in attendance on Sunday. Um, our church is growing, right? Last year our highest attended Sunday was 5.92. Now we're just running uh, 6.30 on a Labor Day weekend, all right? So our church is growing. But that doesn't mean we're mature. Just because we're growing doesn't make us mature. Okay, you got to understand this because like, because, like, think about it whenever you were, you were in, 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 um, going into junior high, right? You were growing. Were you mature? No, you were awkward. <laughs> Gangly even, right? So just because you're growing, praise God for that, doesn't automatically mean you're mature. Hey, can we give it up for all of the Redemption youth in the room today? I don't know if you know that, but our youth gathers on first Wednesdays with the rest of us. Sorry for the uh, junior high joke for all my redemption youth in the room. Uh, you're not awkward, you're loved. Um, oh, hey, hey, hey. Oh, you need to learn to mature, right? And so we can't mistake growth for maturity. You know, there's a saying that says like, oh, well, like, you know, healthy things grow. And that's true. But unhealthy things grow too, right? I know, like cancer grows. That's not healthy. Right? I mean, uh, bitterness grows. H anger grows. There's bad growth and then there's good growth. And when you learn to use your gifts, the church grows in a way that is healthy. 
Because think about it like, think about it like exercising or, or working out. What happens if you don't work out? Well, you grow. <laughs> you just eat junk food and, you know, you don't exercise. But what happens if you diet and exercise, sleep, when you go to the gym, what happens then? Well, then you're going to grow, but that's going to be a healthy growth. And when all of us are using our gifts, it's that way we can reach. Because we are not consumers, we are contributors. When people come to church to consume, it leads to a negative growth. Yeah, more people might show up on a Sunday, but not more ministries getting done. More people might show up on a Sunday, but that doesn't mean the church is healthy. But whenever people show up, ready to use your gifts, that's when God begins to show off in the church, right? We want to be contributors to church, not spectators, but participators in what God is doing. And how do we do that? How do we stop consuming and start contributing? By using our spiritual gifts. Every single one of you has a gift to use. And the reality is, is when you don't come to church, you're actually hurting the church. I'm just being honest with you. Like when you're not serving your church, you're actually hindering the church from fulfilling its mission. Because you're taking, you're not giving. And I think one of the greatest tests of maturity is whether somebody is a giver or a taker. And so if somebody's like, I'm spiritually mature, but they're not serving, I, I'm like, you're wasting your spiritual gifts, which sounds, doesn't sound mature to me. And so whenever you're not here, it actually hinders the growth of the church because you're not using your gifts. And when we don't use our gifts, we don't get to experience God's growth. And so that's why God gives us the gifts so that way we can mature the body into full health. Which leads us to the final question before we get into the altars and spend some time in prayer. Is remember, how do I know what my spiritual gift is? That's what a lot of people are asking. You know, a decrease of 20%. People just, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know how to discover my gift. I don't know how to find my gift. Well, well, Paul tells us here, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Each part is working together properly. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How do you discover what your gift is? He tells us very plainly, you need to be involved in the church. The gifts are not for you. Like you have a gift, yes, but the spiritual gifts are not for you. You know who they're for? They're for others. It's a way that God has gifted you so that way you can then give to somebody else. It's not God working in you. It's God working through you. Grace is God working in you. The gifts are God working through you. Right? Forgiveness, God working in you. Gifts are God working through you. Like people are like, I got the gift of prophecy, but they won't be involved in a church. Who are you gonna, what are you going to do? Like you're not building up the body, so then you're just wasting the gift. Sure, you could post it on Facebook all day long, but that don't mean it's actually going to effectively minister to somebody. Right? You're like, I got the gift of encouragement. Who are you encouraging? Yourself in the mirror? Right? You got to understand that the gifts are used in the body. And so if you want to learn what your gift is, the best way for you to learn your gift is to be in the body, is to be in the church. Like in small groups, what I, what I hear often, like, like whenever we're talking about the subject of spiritual gifts in small groups, we're like, I don't know what my gift is. And then all of a sudden the person over is like, I can tell you what your gift is. I've been watching you for months. Let me tell you what I see God doing in your life. Like get on that serve team and you're like in, you're like in the lobby. You're like, I don't know what my gift is. It's like every single person who walks through this door you, you just run, you, you, you eagerly go to them and you have, you have the gift of hospitality. 
Or, or man, I'm always struggling to, to get my, my stuff out on time. And then you come along and you, you help me with that. You have the gift of house. You know, I was up here praying with you and as you were praying and you were during communion, you were laying your hand on my shoulder and you were praying and we we're praying together. I don't know if you knew this or not, but every single thing you prayed for was sounded generic to you, but really it was very specific to me. Oh, that's called a word of knowledge. Oh, wow. Like you're, you're really good at like, you love, you love label makers and Excel spreadsheets. That's called, that's called the gift of administration. You're like, I didn't know that. Well, you would if you were on a serve team. You would if you were in a small group. You, you would know that if you were plugged into the body of the church. You would know that if you went to next steps. Because then you're plugged in and then you're serving and then you're, you're growing. Listen, you gotta understand something. That serving is the shortcut to your spiritual gift. Like, here, here's, the, here's the people, like, 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 you know, when I was talking about like VCRs and CD players and things like in the old and golden days, right? Back then, they didn't have spiritual gift tests that you could take on an app on your iPhone. Do you know that? People are like, I'm gonna discover my gift. And then you go and you type it in and you're like, oh, cool, I have the gift of apostleship. But you have not started anything. You're like, so you're just taking it and it's a random question and answer that you found on some website. For 2,000 years, that's not how the church discovered their gifts. You know how the church discovered their gifts for 2,000 years? Serving somebody else. So I think that there's some things that were better back in the day when people would just plug into the church and learn to serve. And then other people would begin to speak life into them and tell them what God's doing through them and how it's benefiting, blessing the ones around them. And so if you want to like get a shortcut to your spiritual gift, like what is my gift? What is my gift? I'm telling you, go to next steps. And then get on a serve team and get in a small group and get plugged into the body and you'll begin to discover what that gift is. Because it's always been about growing the church. You know, here's a statistic that, that we know here at Redemption and we believe it to be true and we see it happen all the time, is that for one serve team person, this is a national statistic, for every one serve team person, whatever, for every one person who serves, there will be three people who attend. For every one person that serves, there'll be three people to attend. So our church, we have about, on any given Sunday, about 150 people serving, but we have 600 people attending. As you can tell, our church is lopsided. We're growing, but we're not maturing because we have a lot of people who are not serving. And my job is not to shame you. My, my job is to help you. I mean, I wanna help you grow. Like you wouldn't be here the first Wednesday if you didn't wanna grow. And so my, my challenge for you is this, if you really wanna know what your gift is and you wanna see God move through your life in a powerful way and you wanna experience a, a God in a way that you've never experienced before, I'm telling you, get on a team. And then imagine if we can have 600 in attendance with 150 people serving, imagine what would happen if we had 600 people who served. What's, what's 600? Somebody has the gift of 1,800. There we go. Is, is, is the gift of math one? Is, that, is there a gift of math? No, that's a natural talent, not a spiritual gift, right? My, my man, Doug, over there, I'm one of our trustees. I'm glad he can count. <laughs> Just think about it. Why is this important? He says here very plainly, he says this. He says, when each part is working properly, talks about the body, right? Imagine if one third of your body didn't work properly when you woke up tomorrow. 
That's what the church is like every Sunday when people don't serve. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to like, I, I'm trying to help you see like, like the Christian life. Imagine if you woke up and, ha- and one third of your body didn't work. Imagine if, you know, the average church attender only comes one out of four Sundays now, post COVID. That means for you to be average, for you to be a committed Christian in America today, you go to church 12 times a year. That's the average uh, Christian in America goes to church one out of every four Sundays. Is that, does that sound regular? Imagine if you only went to the bathroom one out of four. No, I was kidding. Would you be regular? No. So we have to get back to, I don't have notes on first Wednesday. I'm making all this up right now. We got to get back to the biblical foundations, guys, that every member is a minister. And this idea of like, just go to church, it's just not cutting it. We're not to go to church. And we are the church. God's gifted you. You got a gift inside of you. It's just waiting to be let out. You got a gift in you. And God wants you to use your gift. And here's the reason why, is that spiritual gifts are God's way to grow the church. Like how does God grow the church? I'm telling you, it's not through marketing. It's not through advertising. It's not through social media platforms. Those things are great and it's good. It's not if, a, if, if, if my, one of my YouTube sermons go viral, like that's not what's gonna grow the church, guys. What grows the church? You do. You grow the church. You're God's way to grow the church. God working through you, loving and serving and helping others. The spiritual gifts has always been the way in which God grows the church. And I'll show you that photo. Let me show you that photo one more time. This was, this was about four years ago, taken right, right, uh, right, right before COVID, 2019, the very beginning of 2019. a handful of people who are like passionate about what God's doing. Just passionate, praying, believing that God was going to move, serving, loving, caring, praying, believing, inviting, investing, giving 20 people. And now look around this room right now. If God could do this, with that, imagine what God could do in the next two years with us in this room. 